0: So um it's been quite um I don't know in in eternity <laughs> i just been about a week or two here and um there's, a, there's just I just want to acknowledge there's just so much that we are all holding. I was saying in an earlier meeting last week it felt like you know the whole our you know my whole world was turned upside down and I was involved with a lot of, um, work inside like Santa Cruz to help get things online, uh, and of uh, many other things we have to acknowledge Larry Corvus who did so much and Kim Allen to help do zoom mentoring and, men, and Linda Kittle for so much work that's being done to get us online. And it's wonderful that here we are. It's very amazing. And this week, you know, last week, it seemed like, you know, it was a little bit of crisis mode. I mean, instantly out of work, I was actually supposed to leave tomorrow to go to Taiwan and then to China and then to New Zealand and do teaching and that's all gone. And uh, so here I am, I would have no idea that we would be doing this in this way, like probably many of us speaking about impermanence and change. And you know, this week it, uh, it's kind of a weird thing to say that this is like the new normal, because it's a weird new normal. It's like um, connecting with the internet and seeing you all here, though it is incredibly wonderful. Um, yeah, I think if there's any uh, investments, investing in Zoom and Netflix is probably a good deal at this point. But um, not that I'm endorsing that. But um, this you know, this new new word "normal" is really weird, and I don't really know if it's really going to be normal. I mean, I, maybe there's a hope for it to be normal, and yet um, you know we may just be at the beginning of even more and more infection. Last Friday, I, I check every day in uh, Santa Cruz County, uh, the health department, and it was 15 on Friday and there's 22 today. That's what we know. And of course, um, it's probably much more than that. But I really appreciate that uh, for many of us, we are really being socially responsible and, and taking care of ourselves. And um, you know, this has really been shown that one of the most important ways of curbing a peak in infection is to be cloistered. So we're like like cloistered uh, monastics now. We're hermits. (laughs) My little hermitage on Marnell Avenue in Santa Cruz and where you are. And I of course don't want to paint it as being such a romantic picture because for some of us it might be very, very difficult. And I don't want to make light of how difficult it may be for some of us. And I think that it's so important to have this refuge of this practice. I mean, I often have said before, if I hadn't had this practice, I'd be completely crazy. And now I, am just, you know, that's just so true for me that the, the, refuge of, of this practice. In 1996, I had a very severe bacterial infection. It's on the top of my foot. I had a little skin abrasion from wearing a sandal caused a little abrasion. And unbeknownst to me, um, some very virulent bacteria entered into their group A strep bacteria. And um, I had what's called necrotizing fasciitis or more popularly known as um, flesh eating bacteria. And it was quite an intense period. I was in the hospital for um, over think about 1920 days. I had to have four surgeries. There was a point where it was possible that I, the doctor said it was possible that I could die or have my left leg amputated. I was going into respiratory arrest, septic shock. My kidneys were failing. My doctors kept asking me, how's your breathing? And I said, breathing in, breathing out. And um, I had the sense that I would survive it. And fortunately, I'm here now so many years later to, tell you this story. But I share this story with you, not to frighten you, but um, I share this story because um, it was such a refuge to have this practice of the Dharma. I had to have emergency debridement surgery. uh, They had to to cut off the area, the, the skin of the area that was infected called a debridement surgery. And I actually had to have three debridement surgeries and then a skin graft. But when I went in for that first surgery, um, I asked the doctor, um, you know, being told that it's possible that I could die or lose my leg. And I said, well, if um, I am gonna die, I I, I wanna die with a Buddha in my heart. And would you mind? I brought a little Buddha with me and I would like you to put some medical gauze tape and tape it onto my heart. Since the surgery was not in my chest, it was down in my lower extremity. And so figured that was out of the field of uh, um, contamination. And so they were, they they agreed. I think, I don't know how many patients they've worked with had requested to tape a Buddha on their heart, but I I wanted that Buddha on my heart. And I figured if I was gonna die, I was gonna die with the Buddha on my heart. And of course, even if, they wouldn't allow it, and I was surprised and delighted that they did, the the Buddha would still be in my heart because these teachings are so incredibly, you know, when we speak about the refuge of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, taking refuge in awakening, the Buddha literally means awakening, taking refuge in the Dharma, the teachings of awakening, taking refuge in the Sangha, the community that supports awakening. To me, this is big, big medicine. A monk friend of mine many, many years ago, was also a teacher. I was sharing with him about my fears of death. This was way before the flesh-eating bacteria. I was sharing with him some of my fears around death and that death was really what brought me to this practice. And he asked me a wonderful question. And I'll never forget it. I still remember it to this day. He said, Bob, when you die, do you want to die with fear in your heart or love? Mindfulness practice. Well, that was an easy question to answer. I want love. I want awareness. I want the Dharma. And um, I'm so grateful that he asked me that question. It was such a simple question. It such a profound question. I want to choose love. I want to choose awareness. I want to choose dharma. And I almost will synonymously say that those three words mean the same thing to me. So here we are in a time of profound fragility and uncertainty. And this new normal may not be normal at all. It's maybe some illusion of normalness because you know we don't know and even if there was no pandemic we don't know what's gonna come five minutes from now you know one day it will be otherwise and we hope it will be one day but now so I think it's very important for us in our that we with this practice that it become great refuge. Refuge in awakening, the teachings of awakening, the community that supports awakening. Now I also think it's very helpful, particularly in these days, to be, to be an embody, to that this body can be our refuge as well. Like when we see that we're, you know, really getting um, Activated to oh, awareness recognizes activation, and then what resources do I need to help stabilize? And often it's to stop, to become present, to breathe in, to breathe out, to feel the contact of the body. So, again and again, maybe we use our practice as a resource to come back into the moment, particularly when we can get into a catastrophizing loop of fear frenzy. And, you know, it takes us out of our body. I love what um, I like to call him, Saint Yoda. He's from Star Wars, that little Jedi master that says that fear leads to the dark side of the force. And there's a lot of wisdom in those movies. But the fear, that to me, the fear does lead to the dark side because fear feeds upon fear and creates more fear. And to me, that powerful antidote is awareness and love. And that once we become aware that this fear, we can see it, we can name it, we can transform it. And there's a very beautiful story in the Dharma about when Siddhartha Gautama was on his vigil for awakening, becoming the Buddha and Mara, who was the tempter, saw that Siddhartha was getting closer and closer to this profound awakening. And for whatever reason, Mara didn't want this to happen, and so gathered together this this like thousands of soldiers with arrows, and they were they stretched back the bow and released the arrows, and all the arrows are coming towards Siddhartha, who's just sitting very still, very awake, very present. And he looks straight into Mara's heart and straight into the arrows. And he says, I see you Mara, I see you fear. Undisturbed, in balance, the heart filled with awakening. And the metaphor is that all those arrows came very close to the Buddha, then they just turned into lotus blossoms. And then they just came to the ground. And there's such a beautiful story of the power of love, the power of awareness that can transform the fear. I had the image of just even one single illuminated candle in the darkness of the night, dispels all of the darkness around us. So this power of, of illumination The power of love, the power of awareness, the power of truth dispels the darkness, dispels fear, dispels a sense of separation, disconnection, isolation. So I really want to remind you all of coming back into the body. And even right now, just for a moment, pausing, feeling into this, as the Buddha would call it poetically, this fathom long body. Sensing and feeling into the body now. Body sitting in a chair and wherever you are, and feet on the floor, making contact, connecting with the body, connecting with the breath. just perhaps connecting with each of the senses bringing awareness into the eyes into the nose into the mouth into the ears into this body Navrita says in this beautiful quote from the Samyutta Nikaya that within this fathom-long body with its thoughts and emotions lies our world. Fathom is a maritime measurement to measure the depth of waters. It's about two feet or about six, about two meters or six feet. The quote goes that within this fathom-long body with its thoughts and emotions lies our world. Its origin, its cessation, its pathway to freedom is found within this Fathom long body. Martha Elliott, she says that our history is here inside our body and our body is our storehouse of all of our learnings and thoughts and experiences. Our history is here inside our body. So sensing and feeling into the body this fathom long body awake and present so that we by connecting with the body have access to potentially recognizing if this fear that is within us and beginning to acknowledge it because that's Important awareness recognizes what's there. And that recognition and that knowing can begin to dispel that fear. transform it into love. It is said very interesting enough about Mara, the tempter, trying to sabotage the Buddha. And even after the Buddha's full enlightenment, and for the rest of his life, Mara would come and visit the Buddha in different disguises. But every time the Buddha saw through the disguise and said, ah, Mara, there you are. Here, come on. I have some tea. I'd like to to share it with you. And Mara, get foiled again, get seen again. So there's power. So Mara comes in many different disguises. Fear comes in many different disguises. Can we begin to use our practice to recognize the fears? To transform them. And they said that actually the arahants, which is the the Pali word for the enlightened beings, that in Pali, the word the Arahants means the destroyers of the enemies. That's the literal translation of the Arahant, the Arahat. The destroyer of the enemies. And what enemies So psychologically speaking, there is greed and hatred. And underneath greed and hatred is the most profound cause of suffering, which is unawareness, ignorance, not seeing clearly into the nature of things. It gives rise to the greed and and hatred. And that's why also the Arahants are also given the name the fearless ones. Actually that monastery up in Northern California, Abagiri is the monastery of the fearless ones. Abagiri is, is the, the, the seeing through the fear. But the, but the sense of the fearless ones are the ones that see through greed and hatred and ignorance. So here we are with this practice that we have these powerful resources to support us grow with more wisdom more compassion so may we never underestimate these powers of loving kindness seeing through these stories that have kept us hostage To me, some of the most important teachings in these Dharma teachings is is to begin to recognize some of these stories that we have identified with, to experience more peace than we ever could imagine. So, I thank you for um, your attention. And I really want to just um, encourage for all of us to come to Insight whenever you can, whether it's through the internet or hopefully someday back in the room, (laughs) and um, that we, we can support one another. The Buddha often spoke about that the Sangha is the whole of the holy life, the Sangha of the community, the whole of the holy life. So we're here to support one another. And if any of you are feeling that you would like some more support, you can go onto the website, and contact any of the teachers or to get some support. And, um, And of course, we have many, many SITs that are happening here.